In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. This podcast contains spoilers for Star Wars Visions Volume 2 plus Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, we are going to the galaxy far, far away. For previously on, it's a grab bag of Star Wars news, some sad, some good, some exciting. In the airlock, it's Star Wars Visions Volume 2 and Jedi Survivor, which is really, really good. And in Nerd Out, it's a theory on a potential direction for James Mangold's Star Wars film. And it's so good. This leans into like one of my favorite parts of all Star Wars canon. So I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Up next, previously on. First up, some sad news uh, on Sunday. Depending on when you're hearing this, it is May 21st is the date we are speaking of. The Irish actor Ray Stevenson passed away at the way too young age of 58. Uh, He was the star of lots of movies such as Punisher Warzone, a.k.a. A Good Movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank King you. King Arthur. Yeah. Can we talk movie. about it? It's a good movie. King Arthur, uh, the Thor films, of course, is a member of one of the uh, uh, Thor's uh, buddies. Volstag, the uh, gregarious uh, friend of Thor's. And, of course, the television show which brought him to my attention, HBO's Rome. Oof, and what he a is show. the star of the... Upcoming Ahsoka series. Uh, very sad. I man, Rome was Rome is a show that it kind of got in there before peak TV. It was mm-hmm. a tremendously expensive show for its time, and it was it was kind of a uh, outgrowth of a BBC yes. series of of um, like historical dramatic reenactment documentaries about various figures from uh, from Rome's history, ancient Rome's history. Um, and, man, Rome is slept on. It was kind it of Game of Thrones on. before Game of Thrones. I was going to say, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you've got to watch Rome. In England, there were two shows that were just so huge in the era kind of before that big prestige TV boom. And it was Rome, and it was a different BBC show called The Tudors, that was about like young Henry VIII and his wives. Yeah. And they both had this similar, unbelievable production value. The Tudors has like Henry Carville in it. Jonathan Rhys Myers plays Henry VIII. There's all kinds of incredible, famous people. But when it comes to Rome, if you've seen it, Ray Stevenson's character is the character you will remember. Like every he, time. Uh, it's He plays Titus Polo, who is this... Uh, a, a former Roman soldier who it falls like into criminality mm-hmm. uh, and immorality. He's kind of a nihilist. He's 
seen so much violence that he just kind of like doesn't care about anything anymore. Um, and then it, the show revolves around Titus Polo's friendship with uh, the centurion Lucius Verinus, who's more of this upright, you know, very by the book character. And it has a little bit of a of a, a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern mm-hmm. like quality to it. Yeah, like these yeah, two definitely. Very minor characters who kind of just below the scope of history are affecting these massive events Mm -hmm. like uh, one of my favorite ways to tell a story yeah it's really really cool and their friendship is wonderful and they did a lot it's like the early seasons of game of thrones right where they didn't Mm -hmm. have the budget so they couldn't really show you the battle you'd see like a horse galloping in and then you'd come back and everything spend a lot of time in the in the flea pit (laughs) yeah but he was truly wonderful in that and that's a sh- the show got canceled in the second season because it was too expensive. So they essentially had to take four se- or or five seasons worth of material mm-hmm. um, or, you know, four remaining seasons worth of material and like kind of condense it into one season. But yeah. it's still it's still wonderful. And he's yeah, it is. a and wonderful you're... physical actor in that role, like action, drama, emotion. Uh, and it's it's quite sad. It is really, it's really sad loss. And it's very interesting because you are, you're right. Rome was such, and obviously as a lead player in that, you know, such an influential show because I always forget it was created by John Milius. So it also has that prestige TV thing of being like a visionary director taking on a show. But yeah, without Ray and that kind of journey that Pullo goes on of ending, and he ends up as this kind of eternal optimist somehow in this like really fucked up world. And that journey is just... Yeah, that's such a great show and such a great loss. But I'll, I'll be really excited to see him in Ahsoka. I think that will be a really beautiful swan song. John Milius, one of the outspoken conservatives in Hollywood uh-huh. and also uh, a notable gun nut. Uh, and a notable gun crazed nut. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. I think the guy, he co-wrote some of the Dirty Harry movies. A fun fact about John Milius, um, Walter from The Big Lebowski played... Uh, uh, you know, the uh, crazed, gun-toting, bowling-alley dweller uh, played by John Goodman is supposedly based on John Milius. Very visually similar. And now you say that. I am seeing the connection. Also, one of the best special features DVD commentaries of all time is the John Milius Conan the Barbarian uh, audio commentary because those people and I love Conan I, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger the, that era of movies is like one of my favorite things but like they really thought they were making like a Lawrence of Arabia level like serious <laughs> film and it is absolutely incredible to listen to them watching the movie back and talking about like their vision for it and then you know what ended up happening um, do you want to do you want to briefly advocate for Punisher Warzone? Yeah, let's Ray do Stevenson's, it. I mean, that seems uh, well up our alley. Let's be 2008 real. entry into uh, the MCU, the pre MCU. It yeah. is an extremely wildly violent movie as its reboot is. But it also has like the pulpiness that I think. Uh, that I think is missing in a lot of iterations of the Punisher. In, yeah. In, 
whether it be television or film. You have Dominic West as Jigsaw in like the most campy, like chewing it up scenery movie. Just so good. Also directed by Lexi Alexander. So at the same time that Marvel is beginning the MCU with Iron Man and they won't have a female director for 10 years, Punisher Warzone is directed by a woman, Lexi Alexander, to make this kind of totally out there, absolutely bonkers, violent, take on the Punisher, which is, as we know, exactly who the Punisher is. Yeah, I I think I like to see that this is getting a contemporary revisiting and seeing people like us who are like, actually, this is good. This is interesting. I think you make a great point. It's the pulpiness that's really enjoyable and what these kind of movies often miss out on, especially in a post-MCU world where things began as a very grounded and kind of moving away from that pulpy origins of comic book storytelling as we know it. But yeah, you should watch it if you don't mind blood and gore. And if you haven't watched Rome, and you're listening to this podcast, we're going to go out on a limb and say you'll like Rome. You will like Rome. If you like Game of Thrones, you'll probably like Rome. And if you just like enjoyable, well-made TV, you will also enjoy it. But it's, it's really fun. Ray has played a couple of roles uh, in the Star Wars universe. Uh, He is in the upcoming Ahsoka series. And of course, he uh, voiced Gar Saxon in Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, Speaking of Star Wars, uh, some news, some recent news, kind of spoilery. This is spoilery, but it's out there. It's out there. It was confirmed by a cast member. If you don't want any spoilers going into Ahsoka, just you can skip forward a few minutes. I'll just say this. It's a spoiler, but it's more like a trailer for a spoiler. Because yes, I would agree. It, it, it opens up questions that are not answered, and the answer to the question would be a real, real spoiler. Anyway, yeah. here it is from the SFF Gazette. Quote, in an extended trailer for Ahsoka shared exclusively with those at Star Wars Celebration last month, Natasha Lou Bordizzo's Sabine Wren was shown wielding a green lightsaber. Now, uh, it, Natasha has then confirmed that she will be wielding a lightsaber. And the the rumor out there is that it is Ezra's lightsaber. Yes, which I think would be so cool. And I think people who are at Celebration have said they feel like that is the lightsaber they saw. And a lot of people are saying, you know, it would make a lot of sense, especially as we saw Ezra only in hologram form so far. And if someone was going to have the lightsaber, it would make sense that it was Sabine. And something really interesting is in an interview with Empire magazine, like a very big UK film magazine, Bordizzo said that it's been really hard not talking about my like talking about my tri- fight training without talking about the fact that it's actually saber training, which is literally all I've been doing for so long. So that makes me think this is not going to be <laughs> a small moment in the show. Like this is going to be Sabine with the green lightsaber and she's going to be cutting some people's arms off as you do when you hold the lightsaber. But yeah, oh, I love uh, how how excited would you be if it was Ezra's lightsaber? I mean, I, it just raises so many questions, such as where is Ezra? Uh, you know, w- what has he been up to? And just where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Where is where that is man? He? That's what we need to know going in. How quickly? Okay. How many episodes do you think 
we'll get into Ahsoka before they answer that question? Or do you think that's going to be a season long um, Let's mystery. say that, uh, do we know how many episodes it's going to be? Let's just say it's like eight, the, the middle okay, ground. If it's eight, I'm going to say by episode three, I think there's going to be hints <sighs> early and then you get him by three. I hope it's way earlier than that. You need to and have him in I, that second half of the season. Yeah. And then I, what do you think the, do you think that the main thrust of the plot is going to be Ezra centric or something else? Like get him back from wherever he is? I think that Sabine, if she finds out where Ezra is, is going to want to find him, mm-hmm. obviously. I also wonder if, it's going to be more Thrawn-centric and Ezra is, as we suspect, entangled within that aspect of the story. And they're coming together maybe more about Thrawn than Ezra. And Ezra's like a nice surprise. I keep thinking about Thrawn and Ezra like hanging out somewhere, kind of like, do you remember the movie Enemy Mine? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think think we talk about about it like a lot on the podcast. (laughs) You know, so like Ezra and Thrawn hanging out just isolated somewhere in some mm-hmm. weird dimension or some weird planet and just hanging out there for a period of time uh, and forging a weird secret relationship. That could be a pretty unbelievable bottle episode. You know, the friends to ally, like enemies to allies pushed yeah. together by circumstance. And of course, once they're off the planet and they've survived, they can never speak of that again or act like it happened. But that history is always there. I think that would add like a super interesting layer. And I mean, if you did it well, that could become one of the best episodes of any Star Wars programming of all time. If you do it like Um, really incredible conversation. And big news for those of you who are uh, fans of Galaxy Edge, fans of Disney Parks, uh, the Disney... Galactic Star Cruiser experience, the extremely expensive, but also, from what I've heard, take the price out of it. Let's say you're rolling in cash. Let's say you're rich in credits. you're a Star Wars fan. You're rich in credits and you're a Star Wars fan. I've heard it's really, really cool. That said, the Disney Galactic Star Cruiser experience (laughs) costs like, like, $4,800 $4,800 for two guests. For two nights. That's it. That's too <laughs> expensive. I, that's a lot. I will say, I have only heard incredible things. Apparently, it, it was... It's amazing. It featured yeah. hundreds of cast members in active roles who were constantly crafting Very new stories. Yeah. Apparently, it really felt like you were in a Star Wars film. Wonderful. Wish I could have experienced that. It won awards for innovation in theme parks. But you know what? When it's six thousand dollars for a family of four to go, <laughs> I mean, come Dis- on, you deserve it. I'm sorry, but Disney, you should have should have made a cheaper version or used some money to find a way to make it more accessible. Absolutely, was still though somehow astounded by the fact that they're just closing it down. Hasn't even been they're, around they're for two years. Down. They're just like boom, now, it's gone. Uh, with the recent kind of. Uh, upside down nature of Disney's earnings, certainly in the last few years, post-pandemic years, and certainly in the time since the launch of Disney Plus, parks are really the main moneymaker for mm-hmm. Disney right now. Um, this news, by the way, comes uh, came on the same morning that uh, the 
uh, Josh DeMauro, who runs parks uh, for Disney, announced that Disney is abandoning its plan to move around 2,000 staff- staffers from California to Central Florida. This was part of a billion-dollar construction project to kind of build new infrastructure at Walt Disney World in Florida. But because of the ongoing kind of war between Governor Ron DeSantis, whose uh, recent announcement of his presidential campaign was derailed by a Twitter malfunction just today, uh, because of uh, DeSantis's war on Disney, uh, Disney has decided to shelve that $1 Mm -hmm. billion construction initiative and now is not making these 2,000 staffers move to Florida, who, by the way, many of them were pretty mad about it. Some of them quit. Some of them were going to go only begrudgingly, but now that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, it's an interesting time for Disney for sure, because I don't think the two things are disconnected. Like, if this had Mm -hmm. been built in California at California Disneyland Galaxy's Edge, there is a world where I think we would be seeing them trying to adapt it into a smaller, more affordable, different experience rather than shuttering it. But I don't think that they're in a place where they want to invest money into Mm -hmm. Florida right now. I am interested, though. Okay, so I do think, as with the way with all things Disney, now this is not the first crazy expensive flop Disney had. If you ever want to have fun, go and watch a video. Probably Defunct Bland has the best one about when California Adventure first opened in, in California. It is hilarious it's like one of the worst things you've ever seen you could not believe the rides they had in there a taxi ride where you see like a weird animatronic of Whoopi goldberg just terrible choices so this is not the first problem they've had and they always kind of learn from them so something i've been thinking about a lot is like what i think that we could see a version of this essentially come to california adventure as part of the Marvel park, what would your pitch for like an immersive Marvel hotel be? Oh, my God. It would be, I mean, I think you'd start with Stark Tower, mm-hmm. right? You'd you'd have uh, a bunch of the armor there. Uh, you'd have, you know, Jarvis talking to you, which is, I think, f- would be fairly easy to do with like just like a voice actor. Yeah, Much that's in the same such a good point, actually. It. Much in the same way that they do Galaxy's Edge where... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're able to, you're able to talk to various Star Wars characters like almost basically in real time because of either a voice actors or B, because they just have a very, very extensive like sound box mm-hmm. of different responses to things that you say. Um, and I'd start there. Then I'd also have. Gosh, I think then I'd have that um, the Avengers HQ at Tony's like upstate facility. Oh, that, that would gets be really cool by, by Thanos. Yeah, what would, would you? Be what, what would you do? I well, seeing as you have already laid out, I'd say like the first five to ten years of immersive Marvel theme park planning. Thanks, you know, just send us a bill. Oh, send us an I invoice. <laughs> I think you should also. I think you should also be able to go in the Super Soldier sarcophagus. Like I think. You <laughs> Absolutely. Be able to undergo the super soldier process. That would be so good. That would definitely be one of like the immersive choices. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would, because you've already laid that out and we're getting like eight, 10 years down the line, I would do Xavier's. I mean, you know, the school and you stay there and you can play baseball and you can go in the war room. It would, I think that would be really fun. And yeah, I think that that will be the ultimate takeaway will probably be some kind of smaller, cheaper, hotel space in California, but that still 
learned the kind of immersive lessons. But yeah, this kind of blew my mind. Apparently they spent, this was part of a $2 billion spend when they when they built it. And I just, it kind of blows my mind that they spent that much money and now they're just like, bye, and shutting it yeah, down. I mean, it'll be interesting to see this, this uh, war of words with Florida is... It's hard to 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 really wrap your mm-hmm. head around how kind of weirdly unwise it is for Florida to get into yes. an economic war with its number one employer and number one taxpayer. Mm-hmm. But here we are. And so this would appear to be the first, certainly the first like economic shot fired, yeah. not counting the various um, judicial moves and zoning moves. Which have that, so far uh, failed, I'll just say. <laughs> That play, yeah, that played out in the local courts. Um, I, I think so. This is this is a significant thing to be pulling money out of Florida, and yeah, I mean, fuck Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I, I hope fuck Ron DeSantis. <laughs> yeah, me too. Fuck him. Also, the final voyage is the twenty eighth to the thirtieth of September this year. So if you're dying to spend $6,000 to go there, you, you should do it. just got six grand just burning or, a hole in your pocket. You know, if Disney wants to let me and Jason go for free so we can tell you all about it, <laughs> I, that we will go. We'll I mean, take I that hit say, for you. Again, I will say that everything I've seen from it and read about it and all the videos I've watched, it oh, looks yeah. super cool. I know. Everyone I know who went from the press said it was like life-changingly great. It looks great. A, <laughs> fucking amazing. Five grand for two nights. I'm rounding up. Five yeah. grand for two nights is just a tremendous You could go to like the fucking Maldives on like a really <laughs> nice holiday. Like, don't, yeah. don't do it. $5,000 is so much money. Bad news. All right. Up next, more Star Wars. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. We're stepping out of the airlock and into a galaxy far, far away to catch up on some delightful Star Wars programming and Star Wars video games, beginning with Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Uh, Before we get into Jedi Survivor, released uh, very, very recently, April 28th, 2023, had the very unfortunate luck to be released like any other video game released around this time, around the same time as Legend of Legends, Who made Tears that of choice? The Kingdom. I mean, listen, the Star Wars audience rides hard, and uh, and they'll be there. It's just that, much like you and I, 
this game has to share time in mm-hmm. our consoles mm-hmm. and in front of our eyeballs with another game. And I will say, before we get to uh, Jedi Survivor, we're going to talk about Fallen Order a little bit, but yeah. I'll say this about Jedi Survivor before we get to that. And I texted you guys this. I texted <laughs> uh, Rosie and uh, super producers Chris and saw this. I am sad to report to you that Star Wars Jedi Survivor is a really good game. It's really <laughs> because, good. Because it's terrible for my productivity. Literally. The last thing I need is another fucking video game that's really good. I've been having to like two-face myself and be like, oh, like if I finish this thing first, I'll do... Fall, I'll do Jedi Survivor and if I do this I'll play Zelda because otherwise how are you supposed to make the choice they're how? both actually how? equally enjoyable at how? this point alright let's talk about first Fallen Order yes a game that I thought story wise Fallen Order was among the best Star Wars mm-hmm. stories of the, of the last when it come out 2019 of the last five years like a really really good story very emotional that um, starts, you know, about between uh, episodes three and four. So, you know, after Order sixty six, mm-hmm. you meet up with Cal Kestis, who's was a Padawan at the at the on the fall of Order sixty six, manages to escape and is another escape Padawan. Li- another escape <laughs> Padawan. He's been living this blue collar existence when you when you catch up with him and meet him, and it's just a really really good story with lots of mystery, betrayal, Mm -hmm. you really legitimately learn a lot of cool things about the Jedi Order, but not just the Jedi Order, about the Night Sisters, the Dathomirian Night Sisters. And there's, like, as a fan of Grey Jedi... There's oh my a lot gosh, of great, thank you. There's a, there's a lot of great, I feel really, like, really cool Grey Jedi stuff in Fallen I feel Order. like they're having the Grey Jedi having a comeback. We'll talk about this a little bit in Visions. But I definitely feel uh, like that moral complexity is coming back. I don't necessarily want... I, I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. the game in case anybody out there has not played it. Maybe we'll do a spoiler uh, version later. But there's a moment in Fallen Order that, that has always stuck with me that I want to talk to you about because it goes right to that Grey Jedi kind of idea. Where do you stand on using a dark force power for good? I am because a... that's a thing that happens in Fallen Order, and it is a super, super impactful moment. I'm pro. I've always been pro using... I think that the using the force is neutral. The dark side, the light side, that all comes from the way that people use it, and then the context over millennia of how things have been used and obviously like if you use the dark side you would you can like corrupt you know corrupted kyber crystals like there is a physical response to using the dark side but i i am pro using the dark side for good though obviously if that then becomes that you're like a fascist fascistic leader who thinks you're using it for good it it could go a terrible way but i think it's worth the risk if you're doing it for good and i agree that's like an incredibly impactful moment this is a really really big moment and i think it's one that if it had happened in a show, I think it would be something maybe that would be talked about a lot mm-hmm. more. But it, it was really something that stuck with me because it's 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 kind of something that doesn't happen. It rarely mm-hmm. happens in other Star Wars stories, but it feels like if if you play with if you if you take on a dark side power mm-hmm. to save someone's life that is doing good that is fighting for the light, it feels like a weird loophole that 
that needs to be addressed. And it's a fascinating moral question because, listen, we've seen worse force users be redeemed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So using the using dark powers once, maybe yeah. twice, to do something really good, to save someone's life? I think it speaks to that really interesting moral complexity that the games are often allowed that you are not so much allowed in the main canon stories that we kind of know, which is like this idea of light and dark and good and evil. The games give us a space to play into that a little bit more. I actually do think that one of the reasons that Fallen Order and in general, like this series is speaking so much to people of our age is like, it's very like Force Unleashed, you know, and obviously Force Unleashed too. Like there's these real emotional iconic storylines that are being told here that you couldn't necessarily tell in the structure of television. And also, as we talked about extensively with The Last of Us, when you are the person who has to make those choices, they become a lot more impactful and you become more invested in them. Another thing that's really cool about Fallen Order is it delves into the kind of fallout of the Battle of Dathomir, Mm -hmm. um, carried out by General Grievous, which is Basically, the Dathomirian Order 66, you know, the the magic-wielding Night Sisters were all but wiped out. I love the Night Sisters. Love so the Night Sisters. So good. And, and uh, you get to hang out with what is potentially the sole survivor of the Battle of Dathomir in Fallen Order. And the relationship that that character oh. has with Cal is Yeah, M- Merin really, is like really one cool. of my favorite characters. Yes. Uh, just just such a great character. I also think something that this game does so well in Fallen Order is it really evokes that found family storytelling that I think yes. so many of us are drawn to. And I'm not going to say... Very Rebels vibe. Very Rebels. But it feels so Star Wars and it feels like you are part of that family and you fall in love with these characters. And I'm going to agree with you about like this game has a choice, a very big choice at the end that, that occurs that to me is one of the most ethical choices I've ever seen in Star Wars. And I feel like nobody ever makes those choices because they contradict these really huge rules and laws that bind Star Wars. The Jedi, they're good, they're benevolent, the Sith, they're evil. And there's kind of this idea that you have to propagate one and stop the other. And I just think that they make these really this hugely ethical choice at the end that I still think about to this day. I, it's a it's a brave choice storytelling-wise, too, because it if the story was told in a less skillful way, then that choice essentially negates the whole reason you're yeah. playing the game and playing the <laughs> Very story, last right? Of us, actually. Yeah, and, you're right. You're right? right. But it does it in a in a way that feels totally earned and you just feel good. I felt good Me sitting too. with that with that choice. Also, end. you make a great point because it's really brave narratively because yeah. it you shuts just... down the main option of what you would think yeah. a sequel would be. So when right. this game comes out, you're like, oh, what are you going to do in this game? But you get to do so much. And it's very, we were talking about this today. It, th- this starts in the first game, but I feel like it really expands in Survivor. This is very Uncharted. It's very action platformer. It's very much like this adventure scavenger live in the world of Star Wars, which who doesn't want to do that? Yeah. Now, we've raved about Fallen Order. Now I'm going to tell you some of my criticisms of the game because mm-hmm. this is going to play into our discussion of Star Wars Jedi Survivor because Star Wars Jedi Survivor has 
largely addressed mm-hmm. any kind of shortcoming with with the previous game. Now, so first of all, starting with the fact that Fallen Order is a lot more of a Soulsborne type action experience than mm-hmm. I think I was expecting coming in from you know, any of the other previous Star Wars games that you've that you've ever played, uh, third-person Star Wars games, right? Force Unleashed, any of the, those others that felt super good, but kind of, I would say, went more towards the kind of like hack and slash mm-hmm. gameplay. Like the force powers were amazing, but when you're using your lightsaber, you could really just kind of spam. And yeah. Uh, Fallen Order was much more precise. You really had to, uh, you really had to hit your parries. You really had to hit your dodges. You really had to hit your counters, and you really had to react precisely to what your enemies are doing. And the Fallen Order, much like uh, Jedi Survivor, took this really kind of naturalistic realistic kind of approach to the game where there's not a lot of ton, there's not a ton of information on your hud the the video gamey aspects the video the visual video gamey language is really really toned down um and that made it kind of hard to pick up for me anyway mm-hmm. to pick up cues to understand what was going on to even like figure out where i was on a map like i just get lost a lot yeah 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 and i think Honestly, part of what makes Star Wars Jedi Survivor so good is they've figured that out. I don't know if they've widened the hitboxes or what, mm-hmm. or or given you better uh, signals about here's the attack that's coming from the opponent that is fighting you. But it just feels fighting feels better, moving feels better. Um, it feels like they've given you slightly better cues about where to go. I'm still getting lost in Jedi uh, Survivor. <laughs> me too, me too. I get lost occasionally. But I think you're totally right. I think that it feels incredibly streamlined and clean compared to Fallen Order. I really, I'm like you, I love the story. I think it's a really great bit of Star Wars storytelling and the narrative was just so engaging to me once I got into it. But the gameplay did not hook me in that way. Like, if it had been Fallen Order versus Breath of the Wild, it wouldn't have been, like, a competition for my attention. But Jedi Survivor, the gameplay and the melee fighting, which everyone knows I love those Arkham Batman games. It's, like, one of my all-time favorite games. I talk about them all the time. Yes, absolutely. Same, 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 same. And this has more of that to me, like, that fluidity. The the gameplay is exciting. You want to get back. And the story is great. And at this point, I love Cal... I want to know more about this world. I want to find these characters. I want, I'm invested already. I love BD, a backpack droid. What like a brilliant (laughs) idea. Like I love all of that stuff. So this time so far, that gameplay has been so much more engaging and just addictive basically to me to the point where it is competing with Zelda for my time. And obviously Tears of the Kingdom is one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah, a Jedi survivor for the first time since Force Unleashed, and I think it, it, it is superior to Force Unleashed in that it really, there are moments in the action where I'm mm-hmm. like, fuck, I feel like a badass. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah, a yeah, fucking yeah. badass. Everything uh, is chasing the very famous moment in the Force Unleashed series where you pull down yes. a Star Destroyer, you know, with the Force. And like that, 
you get that I'm not even anywhere close to doing anything like that. But while playing Jedi Survivor, you get moments where you feel like that, like you feel like a badass. And also something that we talked about in the like pre-pro when we were prepping for this episode that you brought up that I think is so true is like the way that they time the fights now you feel yeah. like the impact of the hits or you feel the impact of the blocks and the parries. And you really feel like you're making conscious oh, yeah. decisions on how to fight. And you feel like it's really easy to actually train yourself. It feels a lot less button bashy than I felt like the combat in the first one did. Let's talk about those Arkham games because I think it's illustrative of what we're talking cool. about. And I think that the uh, whether it's... I think those Arkham games were extremely influential mm-hmm. um, to the Shadow of Mordor series, to yep. the uh, Spider-Man series, to the Miles Morales games. Of course, game, of course. Because it's it's a perfect action loop where you punch a bad guy, another bad guy comes to punch you, and you can choose to either dodge or parry. And with a parry comes a counter to attack that enemy and that very very tight loop of like attack parry counterattack mm-hmm. is so satisfying when you really let the player enjoy it and Jedi Survivor really does it I don't know yeah. if it's that they kind of dialed down the speed of the of the parry animatic like it it feels like now when you parry it, the action slows down just mm-hmm. enough for you it to feels, really that, feel like I, agree. I hit it. Yeah. And it feels so good in this game to hit the parry and then go on the counterattack. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments where it's like I had this uh, sequence on Coruscant where I run up. Here come the uh, stormtroopers. There's a lot of them. <laughs> I go uh, I go double blade. Um, I push one stormtrooper off the edge. He goes fly with the force. He goes flying. Um I parry several of the uh, the shock staff guys and just cut them up. I use my uh, Y force uh, attack to like throw my lightsaber so it goes like in a boomerang circle all around the guys, just cutting them up. <laughs> now there's one guy left. I pull him towards me with the force and just cut his arm off, and it was amazing. Right, and it was so fluid mm-hmm. and. And I think that's the thing that feels like they really, really, really dialed it in for this game. It feels much less random. It feels much more intuitive. And it feels like uh, the game really worked hard to put you in control of all the moves. Yeah. It's something that makes me so much more engaged in a game. As I get older, I know I complained about this a lot with The Last of Us, but I am feeling it now. I'm also feeling like we were unnecessarily harsh to the Mandalorians who killed all those creatures because I have killed a lot of creatures <laughs> in this game. You have to kill a lot of things you to stay alive. <laughs> but you know what? Obviously, Stormtroopers, they're Nazis, you know, but like they also, we know that there's a complex reality to how Stormtroopers were brainwashed and, and probably like recruited. But um, one of the things that I really love about this kind of gameplay is it engrosses you so much and makes you want to win and you're so invested in Cal's mission and then you get the additive nature of that fluidity, those combos, the kind of way that you can play around with the different troopers that you have to fight, the different stances you have. It makes you enjoy it, even when you're murdering many, many stormtroopers. I have killed so many stormtroopers because like you say, if you just, they know the the impact of a lightsaber in this game. Like if you cut off an arm at a wrong angle, that guy's dead. Like it's not, it's not happening for him. 
it is uh, it is gnarly in that sense. Like you are absolutely severing limbs in this game with your <laughs> lightsaber. Um, I I agree with a, a wonderful critic in the Guardian a video mm-hmm. game critic who I quite enjoy, Simon Parkin. Uh, wrote in his review of Jedi Survivor, whatever you feel toward the game director Hideteka Miyazaki's fantasy oeuvre Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and Elden Ring, a constellation of hits often referred to as the Soulborn set, the impact of his studio from software's work on the blockbuster video game industry is, with the arrival of Star Wars Jedi Survivor, indisputable. That's it. Mm-hmm. They have taken that Soulsborn mechanic of, here comes the big bad, they're they're attacking me. I can't just button mash. I have to very, very precisely time my block so that it parries. And if I parry him, the enemy is stunned. And now I can go on the attack. And I have that to, is, lots of dodging. Lots of dodging. And you have to dodge very precisely. And you're very, and you're rewarded for dodging and parrying. It is, it is a wonderful and addictive little gameplay loop. And I, I agree with Parkin that the uh, creators mm-hmm. of this game have absolutely stolen that mechanic and use it for Jedi Survivor. And it feels like how you would fight as a Jedi. This is what it would be like. Because if you think about, you know, blaster bolts coming in at you at high speed and other stormtroopers coming <laughs> in with like d- uh, different melee weapons to attack you, uh, you would have to be very precise and very skilled. And you feel much like the way the Arkham games made me feel like Batman, made me feel Mm -hmm. skilled, you feel skilled. Now, the the Arkham games did something very interesting to me, which is I felt like for the first time that I really understood Batman because if you're that good at fighting, you'd never, you'd kind of never stop. You'd never stop. I, I realize that's why Batman doesn't kill. It's not necessarily because he has a code. It is. But it's also because... On some level, in my head canon, he wants them to get out. No, he does. Because he, he wants does. to fight them again. No, no, no. I think that's actually intrinsic. We could do a whole episode about this, but I think that's yeah. intrinsic to Batman's psychology. And also, he does have a code, but I wrote a very long, thanks to my editor, Joshua Yale, because it was incredibly long and we really had to work it down because there's a lot of history. Batman's code is very gray it sometimes exists sometimes it doesn't he does sometimes kill people you know in the 40s he's shooting people out of helicopters with guns in the 89 movie he's having a lot of fun killing people but i totally agree and i also think the other thing that the arkham games do so well especially in arkham city is like you understand why batman does it not only because he is incredibly good at fighting and he just wants to keep fighting people. And also it makes him feel good because it makes us feel good. But there are so many henchies, villains. It, it You get that feeling of it stops being about those funny kind of intellectual conversations we have about like, should Bruce Wayne be investing more into Gotham? When you play those games, you realize like there is no amount of investment because in Batman's eyes and in Batman's experience, these henchies, these villains, these supervillains, they just constantly respawn. And it's overwhelming. And you get that feeling playing that game in a way I don't think the comics have ever made me feel. So Jedi Survivor gives you that feeling Mm -hmm. of, uh, I'm so good at this and I want to get better. And they did, Chris, uh, super producer Chris brought this up. They do something very, uh, I don't know, smart, uh, what, but they do something very cool, which is you don't lose all your fallen order powers. They just kind of build upon them, which is kind of an evolution. 
It doesn't. Yeah, you don't have to start of. from jump. Like you, you have these cool powers. You have these abilities, and that makes it so much more instantly engrossing, and makes it feel more deeply connected to the first one. I agree, but it also made me feel like, you know, like this. Is, <laughs> I think too deeply about the about Jedi's, but this is also the Jedi's problem. They're too. They're too good at this. They're too good at dealing out violence in ways that looks really, really cool. They're too good at, like, dodging blaster mm-hmm. bolts and looking like, you know, basically gods that walk the surface of planets. And I think that part of the downfall of the Jedi is the fact that they felt so good in their power mm-hmm. that they just missed too everything. Arrogant. Because I totally agree. Too ar- because when you... I, I when you play as Cal and he's not even a particularly powerful Jedi mm-hmm. at this point in his his training was cut short um and you know you spoiler you see him get very very easily waxed by a very powerful dark force user who I didn't want to spoil, but probably <laughs> you could figure it out at the end of Fallen Order. Uh, and that's a pretty good gauge of his power, although uh, and and you know he's fighting with the inquisitors who give who are very challenging Whew, particularly er, really early in jedi survivor very challenging but the, then again the inquisitors their training is like purposefully imperfect you know mm-hmm. because darth and the emperor don't really want to create any dark force users that could ever be a threat to them um and cal has st- they're a challenge um but it's still man when you when I'm fighting Ninth, Ninth Sister, spoiler, early cool. in this game, it's a super challenge. And I wanted to do it again, which leads me to my one. It, it, here's a critique of Jedi Survivor. We've been talking about Arkham. One of the cool things about the Arkham games is they give you that battle mode where you could go to different areas on mm-hmm. the map and just fight 50 enemies. Constantly. Fight I used to do it. And you can do, be I different characters it. fighting different yes. enemies with different <laughs> weapons. You're Nightwing. So you got good. the nightsticks. Like, yeah. good stuff. It was so good. And when I, like, when I finished the game, I would just play that for mm-hmm. hours. Yeah, me too. I want that in a Jedi Survivor game. Ooh. I want to be dropped into an arena of like a hundred fucking stormtroopers and ten inquisitors. And I want to take them all on all at once. Ah, imagine how fun that would be. And not only that, imagine how sick the actual, like you could literally have it be an arena and you could have all yes. kinds of aliens watching. You could just do it for credits or skins or whatever they want to give you a gift. But that would be so much fun. I would oh absolutely love that. I would play that, that just endlessly. Respawn Entertainment, the creators <laughs> of this game, uh, t- take it from me. If you release a DLC battle mode for uh-huh. Jedi Survivor, I fucking guarantee you it'll be a hit. People it will, will be go a hit. crazy for it. We will be right about that. It will be a hit. Because the fighting, again, you know, the fighting again in Fallen Order, it felt a little imperfect. It was very, it was felt kind of frustrating. Yeah. Jedi Survivor does not have that problem. And... It just feels so good to fight stormtroopers. <laughs> it really does. It's it's a, it's a victimless crime. You're just chopping people up. You know, the only time I started to feel guilty is once you get off Coruscant and you have to start right, killing like monsters. But then I yeah. was like, you know what? These guys, they never fucking quit. Like I was trying mad shit on the Mandalorian. I was like, why don't you just move away from the pit? Why don't you just move away from the alligator? But you know what? Wherever you go on these planets, there's some kind of, cool alien trying to kill you so i i'm sorry to those mandalorians 
I have now committed many cool creature murders and I understand where they're coming from. But yeah, this is just such a fun game. I, I never saw a world where it would split my attention in the way it has. But the, the the gaming is just so much fun. Like, not just obviously the fighting is just really good and such a, I feel like such a big step up from Fallen Order. But also... I love all the adventure mechanics. Like, it's so much fun to be climbing. Even from yeah. the earliest parts of the game, you're climbing things. You're shooting out ropes to jump between things. BD is, like, setting up spaces for you to do crazy high lines. You're walking along pipes. Like, it gets you into that kind of action platformer mode so quickly. And that is also really enjoyable. It doesn't feel like when you're not fighting, you're just wandering around, not sure what to do. It's like, there's always something, but I, like you, will say... I love games. I play so many games. I've been playing them all my <laughs> life. I'm almost 40 years old. I, I'm, I'm old. I've been playing games. But you know what? This game, I would like if there was a little option for just like a, a Jedi Survivor for Dummies, HUD, UI, like a little option. Uh, it would be nice to sometimes have a little arrow pointing me in a I right direction. I think that's an absolutely fair critique. Again, Jedi Survivor is really up the notch in terms of the uh, the graphical quality, uh -huh. kind of textural quality. It looks the world building's unbelievable. Realistic. Yeah, it looks, looks like you're watching as, a movie. It really does. Uh, but <laughs> attendant with that is the thing you're talking about, where the game kind of eschews the very kind of video gamey visual language where it's like here's a fucking you know bad version is here's a flashing arrow that mm -hmm. shows you where to go or a, or a or a glowing line on the ground yeah, yeah, that yeah. tells you the path right they're not going to do that but whatever the much less dramatic version of that is the subdued is, version the subtle I version. could also use it because <laughs> well Here's the good thing also that uh, Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order did a little bit, but Jedi Survivor has done, I think, uh, a better job at. If you get lost on a map, there are a lot of thing, cool things to find. Yes. Uh, um, I found so many rad, weird, unexpected things by going down a route that leads nowhere. Yeah. That part of it is cool. But to your point, I am getting lost a lot. Like Me too. Do, I I, also, I am getting lost a lot. I miss so many of the tiny cracks in the wall that you have to Thank squeeze you. through. Like yeah. a lot of times I'm like, guys, just put a little neon sign above there for me. Some I am silly. I am apparently not very good at seeing these. But I'll be like walking around. I'll have fought. I'm feeling full of adrenaline. I'm like, I'm so sick. I just can't wait. I'm Cal Kestis. And I'll be there for like 15 minutes trying to climb a wall, trying to push things with the force. And all it is is just a little crack I in the wall that, that I missed. <laughs> I did that after the fight with Ninth Sister. I was yes! like, where the fuck You're am like, I going? Oh no, I'm on fire! Like, and then yeah, you have yeah. to be getting BD to like hack things to stop the fire. And then you're like, oh, well, now I can climb it. No, you have to find the crack in the wall. So yeah, that's like a very mild criticism. But honestly, I, in its favor, I will say, I kind of love that that leans into that part that Chris pointed out of being able to continue from Fallen Order. You keep your powers, you keep a lot of the things that you already learned. And in that way, it's about respecting the audience and respecting Cal's journey. So it's like, if you've played the game, hopefully you'll kind of get a bit of an understanding of our more naturalistic world and you'll be able to do this stuff intuitively. But also just remember some of us are like himbos. So I would like yeah. a hint. But also, I love, the, I love the attitude towards the audience. One more slight criticism, and it's not really a criticism. It's just, I think, a thing that could maybe improve the game and make it even more damagingly addictive to me 
is that a thing that Arkham, the Arkham games do really well is you're playing a third person game, right? Mm -hmm. What's the one thing that is always the weakness in a third person game? It's the camera, right? Where's the camera going? Am I stuck on something? What's happening behind my character? And Arkham did a great job. First of all, it had a much wider field of vision. Mm-hmm. And so you could kind of see things that were coming uh, behind Batman. You could but definitely also, control like how zoomed out you were too. Like yeah. it's definitely a different experience in that way. But it also, the game was really good at giving you cues that someone behind you was about to attack you. I'll get into fights with stormtroopers and, you know, there's a fucking uh, stormtrooper with like an auto cannon behind mm-hmm. me. And he's just unleashing and I'm getting shot in the back. And while Cal, especially on the run, does some auto blocking, which I appreciate, but it also feels a a tiny bit cheap. Like I want to do it. I want to be in control of the blocking. Mm -hmm. I also feel like when you're getting in these really fluid 360 degree fights with lots of stormtroopers all around you, the game could do for some kind of signal to Cal that somebody behind you is about to attack. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, dramatic, but just something so that I can parry or dodge. You know, like obviously the the Spider-Man games do this. Spider-Sense. Miles Morales, the Spider-Sense. Yeah, you could come, you could say something It feels like like, with the Force. It it should be easy. Cal can sense whatever that Even uh, just like a little the wavy kind of, you know, the wavy lines that we get in Spider-Man, a little bit less stylized. I would like to see that. You know, they do have like most of these games, you know, this has very Spider-Man skill sets that you can build on. So I'm like, maybe later on in the Force skill sets, there's something where we could learn that or that could be like an update. But I think you're right. That's the one thing. In Arkham, you can you can fight like 200 people without missing it's a hit. So good. Like, it's and they really combo so count good. it, which is so <laughs> yeah, enjoyable. Yeah. But like in this, you're going to be lucky to do like 10 or 12 without getting got by someone and That's I, what I, I want, want that. Yeah, too. I want to chain together. Exactly. Like, I want to. I want to chain together hits where I'm just dodging and parrying and never getting hit uh-huh. by blasters, by lightsabers, by anything. Because you know they kind of play as they must, fast and loose with how much damage Cal can take. Like because you, yeah, you know yeah, in the yeah, ninth yeah, sister yeah. fight, Whew. I'm getting fucking stabbed and shit with a lightsaber but like I'm okay like I'm just losing I'm stimming I'm good I got my I'm stimming keep it up feeling good but but I if there was a way to really let you know like these hits are coming so that you could totally badass it and never get hit like with a it would be very enjoyable forget about it I would never put this fucking game down yeah never (laughs) legit (laughs) um a couple other things one of the things I really enjoyed about Fallen Order was the appearance of, you know, a person who we've, uh, saw, uh, we've sung his praises a lot. Saw Guerrero is Look, in that game. we're just Saw Guerrero fans, okay? We're Saw what Guerrero can I fans. say? Saw Guerrero apologists. And there is a time jump between uh, the end of that game and this game. There's, you know, uh, there's some characters. You, you don't quite know what mm-hmm, has happened mm-hmm. to Cal's crew um, that he went to explore the galaxy with at the end of that game. Um, but one thing you do kind of know is Cal is kind of unambiguously working for Saw, doing missions for Saw, has been doing that, which is something that he kind of, he had the option to do that in the first game and kind of turned it down to continue with his mission of 
uh, you know, exploring the history of the Jedi. And I love that. I love the fact that Cal yeah. in this game is getting more is more on the front lines mm-hmm. of the kind of nascent rebellion. You can see just now kind of taking shape. You can see how his experiences in that game and also then obviously in the interceding time between the games has radicalized him. And yes. now it's like no question. And the great thing is you get to meet other people who are also working alongside Saw. And so you know that that's going to be more of an element in this game than just, ironically, in the first game is really about surviving Order 66, being someone who has to hide who you are and then finding that space to be a Jedi. This one, you know, he's a survivor, but we're also getting to see more of that rebellion aspect. It's about taking the fight to the empire exactly at, at, at least to the to the point and Cal that does it. he's he's killing a lot of uh he's yeah, killing I mean, again, a lot no, of empire stormtroopers <laughs> yeah again no spoilers but the game opens on coruscant and you think about the the daring and courage it would take to do a mission mm-hmm. on coruscant as a fucking jedi at that time like at that time that says a lot about where cal is in his evolution as a rebel yeah. and it's pretty fucking cool yeah it's um, really cool this is just and also this is silly but it's very enjoyable and if you like spider-man if you like batman games you will enjoy this this is cal is like unbelievably customizable you can customize cal's beard you can give cal a mullet you can be wearing all kinds of outfits i'm rocking the hermit look at all times i'm a hermit i'm yeah. sure hermit pure hermit you know and you can even like adapt your lightsaber you can change the colors you know which is nice they don't get into kind of kyber law but you can just pick a different color you can make your lightsaber from different pieces that you find or different types of lightsabers that you can unlock it's in that way as well i feel like that makes you even more invested in the game and it's just really fun up next star wars visions 2 Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. The trans community has been under attack by right-wing politicians across the country, but don't let their noisy stunts fool you. They're loud, wrong, minority, like John Mayer fans. That's, come on. (laughs) Or people who blame fight attendants for the delay. John Mayer, I'll just say this. He's not for everybody. I don't personally like his music, but I think he's a good guitar player. Also, I went to college with him. In reality, there's never been more support for gay, trans, and queer youth than right now. 
And it's up to us to make that true today and every day. That's why Vote Save America has launched their Fuck Bans, Leave Queer Kids Alone fund. This Pride Month, Crooked is working to help fundraise $50,000 to support groups on the ground in states that are banning care and targeting trans families, including organizations like the Transgender Law Center, the Trans Justice Funding Project, and the Trans Youth Equality Foundation. If you're interested in chipping in, head to votesaveamerica.com slash fuckbans to donate. Pissing off some of the GOP's biggest creeps is just an added bonus. And we're back. Star Wars Visions, the second season of the Visions Initiative, uh, debuted on May 4th, 2023 on Disney+, Plus, consisting of nine more short films, uh, unlike the previous volume, which was uh, purely um, animation houses from Japan, this is more of an international affair with studios in Japan. Again, India, the UK, Ireland, Spain, Chile, France, South Africa, South Korea, and the US. Um, I, it was wonderful. It was there wonderful. Some that I liked more than others. Mm-hmm. Um, no spoilers, but I'll say my favorites were episode one. Uh, the Sith, which had this incredible like, art style, painterly art style, like it—I uh, I don't know how to describe—very almost liquid mm-hmm. kind of feel it was, to it. It was about it was a physicality of actual painting. It wasn't just about like being yes. an artist. They brought paint and art into the stories in a way that we haven't necessarily seen since like Sabine, and even here it exactly was much so. much more aesthetically obvious. And that one, I think you're right. Let's we'll just do what they say the official kind of reveals are, so that we don't spoil anything. This one is about a former Sith apprentice who finds their serene life threatened. This again, the morality and conversations and complexity that was allowed in this story in a way that we have oh, never yeah. seen. This is a story we've never seen. The very, way that this ends, very critical of oh. This the idea of a duality of dark yeah, and light. It's so like, good. Again, gray Jedi is coming back, baby. I feel it. <laughs> the the complex morality is there. Yeah, I mean, also you just know when you watch this one why they started with it. Yeah, so that was uh, my favorite one. Episode two, Screechers Reach. It's by Cartoon Saloon, who are just like unbelievable. They made uh, Wolf Walkers, which was like a huge deal last year. It was on Apple Plus. It's a really beautiful movie. Just like absolutely go and watch it. The Legend of Kells. They make all these really gorgeous Irish folklore stories. And this one was by them is like a very spooky force kind of situation. Yeah. But both of these, I will say, lead to one of our, I know one of our shared critiques. So the first one is this artistic kind of connection to the force and to the dark side and the light side. The second one is about like a girl going on a journey and like the potential mentorship that she might find, you know? Those two themes are repeated a lot in this. Yes. And then In the Stars, the third one, I think. Those are my three favorites. The three first ones are my three favorites. And In the Stars has this incredibly tactile Mm -hmm. feel that looks like, you know, like plastic mm-hmm. action figures that were stop motion posed. It just looks, it's just also, it's gorgeous. Very cool to see a kind of exploration of some of the stuff that we felt like Andor ne- didn't necessarily explore that 
deeply in the first four episodes. You know, it's this kind of idea of like an indigenous planet being colonized. And I feel like in this short, they do a really good job of bringing an interesting context to that kind of storytelling in a way we haven't seen in the galaxy now i'm this is not we did not plan this this is just the nature of subjectivity and taste i my favorites was that so my it's hard for me because my real favorite if i do it objectively is the last episode called our song our song was great it's beautiful but the problem is by the time you watch it if you watch them in order you've already seen like three stories that have similar themes. So it's a little bit, it lessens a bit of the impact. So probably for me, my favorite favorite, probably just because I love Wallace and Gromit and I love Ardman and I love stop motion. I Am Your Mother, which was the fourth episode, Mm. which is a Twi'lek pilot, Annie, and she's training at the academy and she's really embarrassed of her like working class mom who's a cleaner, who fixes ships. And the two of them... They go together kind of accidentally to this family race and they end up having to race together. I thought that was very charming. I have been saying for years that Disney and Lucasfilm should do an Ardman droids movie. And I think this adds to that argument because there's a brilliant use of a droid here who's kind of like an R2 droid, but mixed with like a slinky. That was really fun. I loved that one. I love Journey to the Dark Head, which is Studio Mir which was founded by one of the head animators from Avatar The Last Airbender. And you can tell because it looks like Avatar. Oh, yeah, you can has tell. Daniel Day Kim, who's about to play the Fire Lord in, in the live action show. This was the one for me where I'm like, guys, you are throwing money away by not just making a feature length movie that looks like this. So that brings me to my one critique of the visions initiative which is kind of it's kind of like the strength of visions is mm-hmm. weakness. when you get one of these that you just absolutely love yeah. you don't want 12 minutes you want an hour yeah yeah and yeah I, yeah 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 i agree and i feel like uh, we were talking kind of off mic about how it really feels as if they gave these creators full control because mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlapping kind of storylines and themes and kyber crystals are the kind of MacGuffin of, of yeah several of these stories. And it feels like, you know, if, if there was more kind of editorial top-down controls edit somewhere in the chain, somebody would have said, Hey, we've already got a kyber story. Can you mm-hmm. Um, and while I'm glad that everybody got creative control, I also feel like I don't know how, I don't know how it would have worked, but I think that there could have been a way to have these not overlap so much. Yeah, maybe maybe we're living in a world where the future of the near future of the storytelling in the Star Wars universe is going to heavily feature these ideas of Kyber crystals and the lore of Kyber, but these are seen as non-canon currently so i don't know how much it's kind of directed that way but that did especially like i loved journey to the dark head is like a classic story i love is disillusioned you know cynical jedi has to team up with the hopeful mechanic and that one got to be quite original very star warsy and had multiple moments where i was like guys 
if you just invest money, make this, yeah, make make this, this a movie. A this this will yeah, be millions of dollars. You're gonna make more. Look at the success of like Demon Slayer of, you know, Dragon Ball, the movies that they've been releasing, like Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Like, if you do that and you commit the money to make some of these, one of these, into a cinematic release, I think it could change the way that we look at animated films. Look at the absolute cultural impact that Spider-Verse had. You know, Disney and Lucasfilm could be doing that. And I think, in a way, I hope that they see that Visions could be a launch pad for that. And out of all of these, I think that, the Studio Mir one is the one where if you just translated it to a cinematic scale, you would have a hit on your hands. But for the one that like spoke to me the most and made me kind of like tear up when I was watching it and really speaks to the things I love about Star Wars, that was the last one, which I would just say go and watch first yeah. or watch it second after you watch the first episode so you don't get doubled up on the themes. It's definitely, I want that to be an hour. Yeah, I wanted I want an hour and fifteen minute mm-hmm. version of of Al's song. Yeah, it's un- and and t- it's stop motion as well. Really beautiful, completely aesthetically different to any stop motion that we get here. It's a South African studio called Triggerfish, but it's beautiful and I loved it and it was perfect as is. But I want the hour and fifteen minute version. I want to know the lore. I want to understand the world. I want to spend more time there. I mean, to your point uh, about. I, I don't know how much money these things would make, but I do know this. I do know that uh, animation is, for reasons that are uh, both <laughs> neutral and negative, yes. a lot cheaper to produce. I'm saying than, than live action. Although there's a longer, uh, a, a, can be a longer lead time. Now, and again, obviously, like you reasons, said, neutral and negative. Some of that is neutral to, do with to exploitation. That, right, right. Yes. So let's be clear about that. There's, it's either neutral <laughs> or ne- it, because of the <laughs> technology no, not a good involved. Part. Right, right. Because of the technology involved and the fact that you could go in and move stuff around a lot easier than you can with live action mm-hmm. that makes it neutral. Uh, the negative part being the the guild uh, protections, union protections don't exist largely, and uh, there's more exploitation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, but I do feel like it's less of a financial risk for these cynical I corporations. Th- yeah. And and I came away, I really enjoyed these. But again, like the feeling that I came away with is, I want an hour. Episode of the this. ones that Not are great, you want more minutes. of. And some of yeah. them, it's true because some of them, so like, as much as I would love a world where they commit to a stop motion animated droids movie, which would take like three years to make from one studio in England, unlikely. Right. But do I think they could do a four episode kids series in that style right. that would be brilliant? Yes. And with our song, I actually think you could be talking visually and aesthetically, it's so different. And the concept and the way that they explore the lore of the kyber crystals and our connection to the force is so unique i think that could be a cinema release a kind of nightmare before christmas style like you just commit to the stop motion Coraline, and you could add context to this canon that would be so different i also think on a as i said financial level studio mirror i'm like disney just pay them what they want to make a jedi story i mean if you really want to make sure that it's real money, which, you know, I would prefer an original story. I love that. But I mean, God, do like a, a prequel. Do it with characters people already know. Imagine if you had Obi-Wan and Anakin in that style. People would die for it. You know, there's a reason that yeah. these manga versions of the Star Wars novels and the Star Wars stories sell so well because 
people want to see these stories in different versions. So yeah, I loved it. Go watch it. You'll find a favorite. But I totally agree. Like the funny thing was coming out of this, I was like, the ones that I like, I just want them to be longer. And that becomes sort of overwhelming. But just delightful to see so many different studios from around the world playing in this galaxy that we love, telling such different stories. And a lot of them do lean into that radical nature of Star Wars that we love so much. So just joyous, really. Uh, Do you want to give us an update uh, before our nerd out on where you are in Tears of the Kingdom? (laughs) Is the kingdom crying? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom. Thanks to everyone for your support after Ganondorf tried to (laughs) cut my internet connection so that I could not talk about it with my delightful colleagues and friends. So I am, no surprises, still not very far. I am currently just fucking around on the Sky Islands. I have built so much. And every time, my main goal at the moment is to build a skateboard. That I've been building lots of giant things. (laughs) But but I have seen some really great videos where people use the minecarts and attach them to their shields and then like make supercuts like they're playing Tony Hawk. So basically, completion uh, percentage, minimal. I've only got like three shrine powers so far, but have I been enjoying making things, especially since I got access to the fans, which has just decimated all of my productivity because you can make so (laughs) much stuff with them? Yes. What I need to get more into, though, I think is um, punishing Koroks. I've been really inspired by seeing the (laughs) terrible... I, I love a cute creature, but these motherfuckers are so ungrateful. And I've they, really they are so ungrateful. I didn't see my friend yet. I'm trying. Like, I've killed myself five times trying to build you a contraption. I've seen some people building like outrageous like ships to shoot them to their friends or past their friends. I've seen lots of fun catapults. So basically, just absolutely wasting time. But you, I, on the other hand, you got auto oh. build. So you're living life. Well, I was uh, I I went out of town uh, last weekend to try and uh, take a, a much needed vacation and break from stuff, and I spent some of that time playing Tears of the Kingdom at night. And I have I've been exploring the depths. Let me just say, Rosie, to you now, there are lots of there's a a huge structure of caves and caverns that are kind of interconnected under. The landscape, you can get to them various ways. Look for uh, cherry trees. Those kind of, it, When you're flying, you'll see these kind of blossoming cherry trees in various places in the landscape. Go to them. They will uh, show you certain cave systems that you can loot for cool loot. Ooh. And then when you're f- flying, you'll see kind of these gloom ringed holes in the ground. <laughs> Anytime you see a hole, just fly down there. Make sure you Mario have style. Either, just be jumping yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you have bright bloom seeds oh, or yeah. something I've got for light. Too many. Okay, you're gonna need those, and you're gonna need arrows because it's dark as shit down. <laughs> like, um, it, it is so so dark down there, but it is, man, it's it's amazing. It's blowing like, my getting, mind every day how much getting. Getting down there and exploring the stuff that is down there. It reminds me of the first time I went to, uh, I found and explored Blackreach in Skyrim. But it's like that, only much, much, much mm-hmm. bigger. And you'll, you're able to, with your seeds and uh, by finding these kind of areas that provide light, 
these kind of like root systems that provide light to like a wide um, area of the cavern. You get to like light up parts of it. And there was this moment where I'm, I'm exploring, I'm fighting all these gloom monsters. Like there's a bunch of Yiga loot down there. And I get to like the edge of where the light is falling from uh, all the lights that I've kind of lit up and plus the uh, the root system light that is kind of casting. And you can kind of look back and see, I could see like how big the whole thing was. And it's just so fucking mind blowing. Dude, it's so cool. So like this is going to make me sound two things. And that's where I got auto build. Oh, auto that's where you got it. No spoilers, but okay, auto build okay. is down there somewhere. Okay, that's good to know. So this leads to, I think like, this is going to reveal two things about me. One, I will say okay. no comment. Two, I will say is true. One is going to make me sound like I'm a stoner. No comment. Two is going to make me sound like I'm a very existential person, which I am. I play this game, and this is the first time this has really happened to me since I was a kid. There are moments when I play this game, when I see other people playing it, when I see the stuff that they build, and I try and conceptualize the amount of time and hours <laughs> and programming. And not just that, but then the actual, like, how that goes from being programmed to being on the screen. And I'm just like, it's impossible to conceptualize. Like, to me, as somebody who doesn't know about that stuff, it's just blowing my mind every day. The amount of options that they've given people in this game, it feels almost endless. And we have always been seeking that out in open world gaming. But for some reason, mostly to do with the con the constructs, this feels like it's a different level of open world gaming. And it's kind of blowing my mind as I play it kind it's of constantly. Again, Rosie, if you can get into the underground, I'm doing it. It is gonna, ch it's gonna change. Here's the other thing about the building, the thing that you're talking about. You're gonna find caches of building materials down there. There's also gonna be different areas for you to process some of your zoanite and stuff mm -hmm. like that to get more battery. I'll say less about that. There's gonna be <laughs> again. There's auto builders down there in a in a kind of like huge temple structure that you cannot fucking miss. But there are these caches of different machinery down there. And it's like the first time that I came across like cannons, that I came across steering sticks. And there are like battery packs down there mm. so that you can build vehicles and things that don't drain your battery. Oh, they run okay, okay, on, okay. I got to go down there because I'm making on, so much nonsense. Yeah, they run on the battery pack before it gets to your battery, right? So you have three and four times as much, depending on like how built out your battery is. I'm on one battery plus one third of a battery. Mm -hmm. And so this gives me four and five times as much time oh, okay. with the with the vehicles that I build down there. So I'm building like fucking warthogs from Halo. Like I'm building <laughs> shit down there. And I'm expo and and there's headlights down there also. So I'm oh. putting headlights on the front of my vehicle. And you're like so driving like through driving. the tunnels. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going down. I'm I'm not I'm not fucking around anymore. I'm not building any more giant ladders. I'm just going. No more bridges. It's time to to move up in the world or move down in the world. Uh, maybe if we, if we, we should do, I mean, maybe we'll do a Twitch stream of us playing this oh, game that would at some be time so in the future. Fun. That would be really fun. Yeah. All right. Up next, Nerd Out. In 
In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or a theory you're excited to share, Ray shares an idea for James Mangold's eventual Star Wars movie, as announced at Star Wars Celebration. And I will say, Ray might be excited to share this theory, but I am excited to hear it because this is just so cool. And this now, is crazy. This is what I want. Uh, here is Ray's theory. What if the Mangold movie is based on the father, son, and daughter? They dun, appear dun, tangentially dun. in animation, but they have so much possibility, and they could be a jumping-off point to all sorts of force-focused stories. From rumors, the Mangold movie is set so far back that it would be an amazing place to start with some powerful force-wielders. It's also a huge tie-in to both the Skywalker saga and the Rebels team. That's absolutely right. You can even throw in some time travel stuff if it made sense. What do you think? Love your work. Thank you. Ray, I think this is really smart. And I honestly hope that this is what it is. Do you want to explain what the uh, about the father, yeah, son, yeah, and daughter? Yeah. So they're called the Wands or the Mortis Gods. And this is like a big, really vital Clone Wars arc, even though it's like yes. just a few episodes. And also then ends up becoming really crazily... In, involved in Rebels, even though it's just Intersects like with the a, end of Rebels a mural, in a but really it's, important, it's yeah. really important. Basically, incredibly powerful Force users live on the planet Mortis. The son, dark side of the Force, the daughter, light side of the Force, and the father, who is like neutral to the Force at both sides. You know, we would call it a gray Jedi. They would say we were wrong. <laughs> Though I will say he's gray. So just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, correct. No, just saying. But if the father stays alive, the kids both are immortal. And it is this very interesting exploration of the force almost like personified. And I just think there is so much weird stuff that you could do with this. And also, if the Filoni movie is going to be a kind of ending, wouldn't it be interesting to see them go back to the beginning of this kind of almost underexplored canon? Also, if you've never watched The Clone Wars, I know we say this all the time, even if you don't want to go and watch all of it, just watch the three episodes that begin with Overlords because it is so good. Like, it is, it's Overlords, Altar of Mortis, Ghosts of Mortis, and the mm -hmm. things that we see Anakin experience. Like, I'm pretty sure one of those episodes was the first one I randomly saw on, like, Disney Channel in England it's, and was it's, like... Uh oh, I need to watch this show. Like, this is no joke. It, and it's a dramatic yeah. widening of the Force lore mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that uh, is, yeah, you feel it, we've only really just barely scratched the surface of it. Um, I think that this is a great idea. I would absolutely would love cool. to see it. There's so much you could do with it if it was going to take place 25,000 years before, instead of having to... One of the things we'd brought up about the danger of doing this film, though we would love to see it, is like, how do you just introduce like the first Force user? That sounds yeah. impossible. Like That adds so much canon. But if you've already introduced them, and you just right. reveal that the ones are at the beginning of that in a different sense, that's unbelievable. I think that is so smart, and I think this is such a good call from Ray. And I would just absolutely love to see it and i'm definitely just gonna go and watch these three episodes again because this shit is like <laughs> so emotional like i think about anakin's journey here and like the yeah it's just so good so ray i love it thank you so much for sharing that with us if you have theories or passions we know you do 
This is why you listen. You're just like us, that you want to share. Hit us up, x-ray at crooked.com. And instructions, as always, are in the show notes. That's it for us. Rosie, any plugs? I'm on Letterboxd, Rosie Mark. Same at Instagram. I just put out a new newsletter, which is about incredible indie comics you can read. Some by brilliant people that I love in my life. Some by people I've never met who are absolutely great. Really fun stuff. Totally creator-owned. Great to support comics creators like that. Watch Primo. It's still delightful. I'm 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 pitching it. Support the WGA on strike. I'm doing a super I'm doing super plugs today. Loads of cool ways to do it. You can show up for awesome protests, rallies, which are happening on Friday. You can support them at the picket line. You yes. can send some donuts, send some food. You're absolutely welcome on the picket line. Anybody who's around one of these, we've had uh, people from who were in the uh, fight to unionize Starbucks. We've mm-hmm. had various teachers. other union members, teachers show up and be like, I want to support. Absolutely welcome if you want to do that. Uh, and you live around one of these areas where an action is happening. Culver City, free. I think, is always looking for some extra people to show up on the picket line. So, yeah, good times all around. Loads of cool stuff to support. And obviously here twice a week. Catch the next episode of X-Ray Vision Wednesday, May 31st for the epic series finale of Succession. And I got to tell you, our You Were Right is buy stock in our We Were Right right now. about We're ready. Buy stock. Buy stock. (laughs) Buy buy it. And the season two finale of Yellow Jackets. Going to be bleak. And you can subscribe, as always, on YouTube, where you can watch full episodes of the show like this one. And... Check out our Discord. It's really fun. So many cool people in there talking about rad things, cool theories, especially deep succession and yellow jackets conversations know, going on fun, now. So if you're talk about. if you are big into those two, pop in there before the finales come out. And obviously me and Jason are there too. Five star ratings, five, five, five star five, reviews. Five. We need them. We gotta have them. You gotta give them to us. Here is one from who? <laughs> And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it in the voice that it's written in. Hey, Mike, this is Steiny from Yakima. I just want everyone to notice what Jason and Rosie have going on over at X-ray Vision, Mike. These two are really producing right now, even with the increased workload. It's really commendable, Mike. Anybody looking for funny content, but also in-depth analysis of anything going on in Nerdverse should definitely check them out, Mike. My question is, uh, do you think they can keep this level of quality while putting out two episodes a week? I think they can, Mike. But just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. If they ever cover the Witcher series anyway, I'll take my answer off the MVP. Oh, thank you. See you next time. Thank you very much. Ooh, question mark. Exclamation mark, question mark. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin and executive produced by me, Jason Concepcion. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Video production by Delon Villanueva and Rachel Gajewski. Social media by Awa Okalati and Caroline Dunphy. Thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme music. Bye. Grab your torches and join Jeff Probst, the Emmy Award-winning host and showrunner of Survivor, to go behind the scenes of the reality competition show like never before in our On Fire with Jeff Probst, the official Survivor podcast. Whether you're a super fan like me or new to the show, On Fire with Jeff Probst takes you behind the scenes to learn some of the new secrets for how the show is made and why they do the things they do. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. 
new cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.